0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian and today we're taking up number four in our teaching on the grace of God. Today is dying grace. The fact that God takes care of us all of our life, but he doesn't forget us when we die. There's a grace that carries us from this side over to the other side. You're going to be excited today
1: as we find out about dying grace. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Glad you're joining me today for Student of the Word. I know that you're gonna be blessed today. Uh, This is number four in a series of five uh, teachings on the subject of grace. And I divided grace into five different areas. And I think this pretty much will sum it up. We'll be talking today about number four, that's dying grace. And so five types of grace, we've covered three before now. And the first one is convicting grace. When you hear the word of God, when you hear the plan of salvation, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you. This is the grace of conviction. And it's not something you work for, earned or deserved. In fact, we didn't even deserve to get saved, but God provided by the work of the cross and by the death of Jesus Christ, resurrection, sitting in heaven. And then now God holds it out to us as a free gift. And not only points to it in the gospel, but actually convicts us to take it. And so that's the first type of grace we run into is convicting grace. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The next one is quickening grace. When we say yes to the gospel, it's the grace of God that quickens us. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. It's the Holy Spirit and the work of God's grace that gives us eternal life. The third one, which we covered last time, is living grace. And that covers from the time that we get born again until the time that we face death. And so this, again, of the three for this lifetime is probably the longest one of all it covers. It could cover for me. I was saved at five years old and I have no plan on dying soon, but if I do, whatever time it is, if I'm in my eighties, well, that'll mean that for about 75 years, you know, that I I operate under living grace. And the beauty of living grace is as grace is, it continues to get better and better. The grace of God, he gives more grace. Whatever grace he gives, there's more added to it, and that's living grace. But today we're gonna take up the subject of dying grace, that when we leave this earth and go to heaven, there is a grace that takes us from earth to heaven. It's short-lived, the short amount of time that we uh, are dying And even the days before we die, when we experience such exceptional grace of God, during that time, that carries us into eternity. And you're by now saying, well, dying grace, that ought to be the last one. We have one more to go. The answer is yes. It's the best of all of them. It's called surpassing grace. And that will last throughout eternity. And understand this, if grace continues to get better every single day, surpassing grace, we'll see the beginning of it when we die and it will get better and better throughout all of eternity. It is an eternal grace that we move into. One thing we did find out was all grace is ministered to us by the Holy Spirit and he is the he is the one that carries grace to us. He carries our the conviction for us to get born again. He's the one that quickens us. He's the one that gives us guidance, direction. That's the grace of God in life. It's the Holy Spirit that carries us to the other side along with angels or whoever happens to accompany us at that time. And then in heaven, we will have surpassing grace forever and forever. And during that time also, since the earth will not be as as it was before, and there'll be no gospel minister down here during the time of the uh, eternal state that God will provide for us, the grace of God will be with us and the Holy Spirit forever and forever. Today, we're gonna take up the subject of dying grace, and this is all found in a series I have called Types of Grace. And this particular series could be available to you. It's three CDs. I know you're going to get blessed by it. And the announcer will come on at halftime, tell you how you can have this for yourself. And listen, the thing I appreciate about CDs or else flash drives or anything like that is you can listen to them in the car. To me, the car is the most downtime you have, the most non-productive time you have. You kind of blank your brain out as you travel over to your office and back or wherever you work. Or if you take a trip, you just kind of blank it out. You might try to listen to classic rock, which you've heard all the songs 50 times or more, and you might try to listen to some talk radio, which you know the news, but you know, you still want to just something just to occupy time. And I think the best thing to do is listen to the word of God. In fact, it'll get so good at times, you'll pull the car over to the side of the road, put it in park, jump around the car a few times, get back in, shout hallelujah, and drive off because of what you're learning. It's a great time to understand that. In fact, many of the sermons I have came from while I was driving in the car listening to a teaching. And again, I admonish you to do that. So once you make plans for that, and watch out how much you can change your life because you really don't need that much classic rock. You don't need that much country music. And you don't need that much talk radio for sure. So again, but you do need the Word of God. None of that will again affect you into eternity. But I can tell you the Word of God will be with you forever and forever. Turn to Philippians chapter one. We're going to take a look. At verse 20 and 21, we're going to talk about dying grace. And here in this verse of scripture, Paul is facing physical death in the book of Philippians. Now, at this time in the beginning of the book of Philippians, he decides to stay longer for their sake. And of course, then by the end of the book, He's discussing the time he's going to go to heaven, but he's looking at dying grace. The older you get, your daily life means less and less and less. And really, but, you know, as you live your life out, death is just way down there, down the road. But the closer it gets, the closer it gets, the more that you separate yourself from the thoughts of life and the attitudes toward life. And the more you start thinking about eternity. And there's that gradual transition that comes at that time. And I'm in my mid seventies right now, but I think more about going to heaven now than I ever did, because I might live in another 10, 15 years here on this earth. I don't know, but you know what? There's gonna come a time I'll go to heaven and I will be so prepared, so ready for it. And I think the older you get, the more clear and the more present heaven becomes and the further that the things of this life affect you at all. And it's like, you know, the more you understand too, by the time you get to you in your life, all the problems I see around me that used to really affect me, God's gonna handle it. It's just up to me to walk with him every single day. Well, enough for my death sermon, let's talk about dying grace. The fact that when we come to that point, we're gonna have grace of God to handle it. Philippians chapter one, verse 20 and 21. Paul says, according to my eager anticipation and hope, that in nothing I will be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want you to notice something, that last phrase, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, is that the more we live for the Lord, the more Jesus Christ shines through us. But the time we get to the end of our life, the the less that our natural life means to us, the less that we look at our body, you know, and understand, well, you know, it looks like it's getting old, but by that time, you don't care. The inward man on the inside is getting better, while the outward man is perishing. That's why I always tell young people that are dating each other, don't just look for some hunk out there that's, you know, that was a member of the high school football team or might have played football into college. And, you know, he just looks good. His hair is perfect. All this kind of stuff. It's going to go away. You know, somebody said one time about the wrinkles in your body and all that, you know, that you know the, uh, the sands of the hourglass flow down. Well, that's exactly what happens in your life. Somebody said one time, you know, there's chest or drawer disease. What's that mean? Well, my chest is falling into my drawers. And it may, simply means again, that the older you get, the more the things begin to fall apart in your life. But you know what? The more real that Jesus becomes. Fall in love with the person on the inside. Get to know the person on the inside because though the outward man is changing, the inward man is renewed day by day. The looks that you are looking at that woman in and that young girl in are gonna shift from the outside to the inside as you learn to love the person on the inside more than the person on the outside. And so you don't just marry some girl to hang on your arm and go brag about her everywhere in town, because there's going to come a day if you marry her, she won't look like she does today. And the same women for a man, he's not going to look the same. All that gorgeous hair, he may have lost three quarters of it by the time that he's 50 years old or even less. But the point comes back to this, the older we get, the more real Jesus becomes, the more real spiritual life becomes. And there finally comes a day you realize that I'm going to be leaving this life, but you know what? What I'm going to gain is better than what I'm leaving. Life has been. Wonderful, but eternity is going to be even better. Second Timothy chapter four. Look what Paul said here, verses six through eight. He said, now I am ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Where in Philippians, he decided to stay in 2 Timothy chapter four, the last book he wrote and the last chapter of the last book he wrote. He now says, my life is over. Go ahead, kill me, do what you're going to. It may hurt for a moment, but I'm gonna go into heaven. And so he says here in verse six again through eight, I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me at that day. And not only to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. It's not brought out in these verses of scripture, but it is in some of the old, in some other verses of scripture. I think about when Abraham died, it said he was gathered unto his relatives, his family, and I don't think it simply meant that he left this earth and went to went to the place called paradise was with him. I think many of them came over and transferred and helped him go over because I've seen that happen so many times in life. And so Paul is talking here about his death and he did mention too, there's been times, even as he got older, his friends forsook him. Like the time he went into a trial, he was in a trial. And uh, as he was there and, the, and he said, nobody came, nobody stood with me during the time when I had a legal battle. And he said, it would have been nice but nobody came and including Timothy at that time, he said, I was by myself. He said, other times, Timothy, you were the only one who stood with me during these trials. And right now he points to all those who have left him, turned their back on him. But what's he saying about me and the Lord? I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Notice these statements he is making. He's looking back, not that he's proud of himself, but just the fact that, you know what? It took guts and determination at times to stay with God. It have been easier to leave. He mentioned one time about, he said, uh, Demas has forsaken me having gone after this present world. This is in the verses to follow after that. Demas was a man that worked with him, ministered with him. He says, but he's run off after this present world. I've seen it happen so many times where ministers have left the ministry and just gone after the world. They've got secular jobs. Uh, They've suddenly left their wife and gone and found somebody else. I mean, just a number of stupid things. And I know they regret it toward the end of their life, but you know what Paul can look back on? It has not been easy. It's been tough. In fact, I think it was tougher for Paul than just about anybody else in the New Testament. But at the end of his life, as he's looking back and he knows that death is coming very shortly, he says, I've fought a good fight. What does that mean? I continued to fight and and I won the fights. At the end of it, the Lord came through for me. I have finished my course. This is what God gave me. I can see the finish line coming, but next of all, I've kept the faith. The faith here is not faith in Jesus Christ. No, that's salvation. The faith he's referring to here is following after the word of God. I have kept the faith, I have preached the word, I have followed it, and verse eight, so now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, not to me only, but all those Who love his appearing. He now says, What I have done, anybody else who's a Christian can do. It just comes back to making up your mind. I'm going to continue to fight the fights that are in front of me because I know this. The Lord is with me. The Holy Spirit's with me. Angels fight with me. And I have the power of the Word of God. Next of all, I finished my course. I came and I can see the finish line right now. I'm going to cross it. Next of all, I have kept the faith, followed after the Word of God, put the Word of God above everything. The Holy Spirit uh, guided me and led me, but he led me in line with the word of God. And now I know I'm going to heaven. And there I'm gonna find a crown of righteousness for simply being obedient and faithful to the things of God. And he said, not only me, but anybody who does this can have that kind of transfer from life into heaven.
1: I will see you right after the break. The awesome grace of God begins with salvation and carries us all the way through this life and into eternity. Because of the work of the cross, God's grace is absolutely free to all who will simply receive it. In this five-lesson teaching series, Pastor Bobby Indian highlights the foundational Bible truths concerning four specific types of grace that God has provided for us. The topic titles are Mephibosheth, Convicting Grace, Saving Grace, Living Grace, and Dying Grace. Understanding the nature of the grace of God in each of these areas of life will help you understand the nature of His character and His unconditional love for us. To order Types of Grace, go to bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership.
0: Look with me at Amos chapter five. We're gonna take a look at verse eight. And while you're turning there, again, I wanna say thank you to all those of my supporters out there. The support keeps going up and up. I'm telling to get letters right now and, and new people joining with those that are partners with me. Thank you for those who have been partners for me for a long, long time, double, triple, thank you. Thank you for staying faithful. But for those just now joining me, thank you also, because listen, it takes the power of God, the call of God, the word of God, but it also takes people to stand with you. I just quoted that before we went into break, how that Paul just made comments about all those who have left him, departed from him, but thankful for Timothy who stuck with him during that time. And for all you faithful Timothys out there, Thank you. If you'd like to become a partner with me, then go to bobyandian.com. You'll find there on the face page a place where you also can become a partner with me. And I thank you in advance. In Amos chapter five and verse eight, the word says here, he turns the shadow of death into morning. And the word for morning here is not crying. It's the morning sun coming up. Basically what he says is where the sun is setting on this side, the moment you get to heaven, the sun is just coming up on that side. You're starting a whole new life when you get to heaven. And I mean life. It's not death. Death is the transfer from this life into the next life, but it's just a small time, a small few moments where you leave this earth and go to heaven to be with the Lord. And again, i believe. I believe this personally, that death is not a set time. Like God says, Bob, you're gonna die on this date right here. I help to set that date. In other words, there's things I can do to extend my life. There's things I can do in the word of God to shorten my life, to say, yeah, but doesn't God know when I'm gonna do it? Yes, it is, but God doesn't pick that time and force me to die at that time. He just knows the day I will give up and say, okay, Lord, that's it. I'm tired of living down here. I wanna go to be with the Lord in heaven. I've kept the faith. I've, I've, I've fought the good fight and I'm ready to go to heaven. He knows when that day is gonna be, but he didn't make it happen on that day is what I'm saying. This is not part of God's sovereignty where we have no choice in it. Death is something that we also, by walking with the Lord, can extend our life. Let me give you some verses on that. Psalm 33, verses 18 and 19 says this, The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him or reverence him on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Those who trust the Lord, those who put their faith in his word, faith in his promises. God says, I'll keep you through death. I'll keep you alive during famine. And you'll come out on the other side saying, look how many other people died during that time and died during famine, but you know what? The Lord has kept me and watched over me. We have something to say about the time when we leave this earth, Psalm 91. The closing verses say, with long life, I will satisfy him. This is God speaking, not Bob speaking, God. God says, with long life, I will satisfy Bob or Jim or Mary and show him my salvation. My salvation is heaven. He says, I'll show him right now. I can't see my salvation. I know it's in me, but there's going to come a day it will become visible when I get to heaven. And in the meantime, God's going to satisfy me with long life and then one day, display in front of me my salvation. Reverence for the Lord adds to our years of life. Proverbs 14 and verse 27 says this, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So in that verse of scripture, simply what's saying is the more we fear the Lord, the more we reverence him, it becomes like a fountain of life inside of us and renews our life day by day. And we'll be one of those that people look at us toward the end of our life and say, so you still look young? You still act young. It's not me. It's the spirit of the Lord and my reverence for God is like a fountain of life springing up on the inside of me and not just spiritual life, but adding to my natural life honor toward your parents, adds years to your life. Ephesians six verses one through three says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise attached to it that it will be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Andrew Walmack said he was watching a special one night. I think it was on, you know, like a National Geographic or something. Uh, they were finding the people who live the longest on the earth. They found out on the uh, west coast of Japan was a group of people that lived near the ocean up in a mountainous region. And they lived to be the average age was around 120 years old. And so the first thing they did was check out what they eat. They always do that. They always say, it must be what they eat. And if you'll eat like they do, you can live a long time like they do because they tie food in with your health. No, it's your, it's your attitude. It's your respect. And in this verse, it's your honor toward your father and mother that causes it to be well with you and may li- and you can live a long time on the earth. And whenever Andrew saw that, he said, it isn't the food. He said, that's the part of the world where they not only honor their parents, they worship them. It's part of the religion of their father's religion that they honor. And he says, and part of it was to honor your father and mother, almost worship them. He said, this is what causes them to live a long time on the earth because that promise is a natural promise too. It'll apply to unbelievers as well as believers believers. And so in Job chapter five, also we are told that the Christian, the believer does not need to fear death when they see it coming. Job chapter five, verses 19 through 26. Speaking of God here, it says he will deliver you in six troubles and in seven, there will no evil touch you. In famine, he will redeem you from death. In war, from the power of the sword. You shall be hid from the scourge of the tongue. To me, that's the best one of all. This is better than being redeemed from the sword and from death is redeemed from the scourge of the tongue, people talking about you. Neither will you be afraid of destruction when it comes. At destruction and famine, you shall laugh. Neither shall you be afraid of the beasts of the earth, for you shall be in league with the stones of the field and the beasts of the field will be at peace with you. And you will know that your body will be in peace and you will visit your eternal home and there you'll never see sin again. You shall know that your seed will be great. Your offspring is the grass of the earth and you shall come to your grave in a full age like a shock of corn comes in his season. Wow, all those wonderful things are said there. If you just live for the Lord, if you'll live by his word, if you'll give him thanks, if you'll do these things, God will keep you at peace you'll come through war and come out on the other side. And again, at the end of that verse, then by the time you come to your grave, it'll be at a full age, like a shock of corn comes in its season. A farmer told me one time about this last verse, you shall come to your grave in a full age, like a shock of corn comes in its season. He says, not all corn comes at exactly the same time. He says, you have to know when pretty much it's time to pick it off that entire shock that's there. And so this is the way it is with us. We can outlive those around us. We can be blessed by God. Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 and 15 says, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of the death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What God wants to get rid of in your life is the fear of death, not death. Death will come, but you know, the fear of death will often cause us to die before our time. And on top of that, fear of death is like something that just causes you to freeze. You don't know what to do, and day after day, you just fear death so you don't get accomplished what God wants. If the fear of death is gone, and you can actually laugh at it when it's coming, you can get a lot accomplished in life. When you realize I'm gonna die someday, but you know what? In the meantime, I'm gonna keep walking with God. Psalm 23 and verse four, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I want you to notice we're always seeing the shadow of death. The shadow of death lingers over here all the time, but a shadow can't kill you. It just simply means it's gonna come someday. And even though I get older and know that death was coming closer to me all the time, the point of it is I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. The God who redeemed me and saved me and gave me a call on my life will also be with me from the time that I leave this earth and go into heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? What are the blessings of dying grace? In Luke 16 and verse 22, it came to pass when the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died also and was buried. Dying grace is a bridge connecting this world and heaven itself. Believers can see both sides. Jesus meets us as he did with Stephen. Acts chapter seven, verse 55 and verse six. It said there, Stephen says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the father. At that point of death, you can actually see both sides. My mother was telling me days even before she died, she said, Sam's come to see me the past few days, sometimes twice a day. Well, my father had died some 18 years before before my mother died. And here was she, her, my mom, talking about this. And at first, my sister and I thought there was something wrong with her. No, she honestly did see that. And of course, this happened with Stephen in Acts 7, verses 55 and verse 56. And angels can accompany us into eternity. Luke chapter 16 and verse 22 tells us there, when the man was dying outside of the gate, the Bible says angels came in that verse of scripture, Luke 16, 22, the beggar, that the angels took him into heaven. Departed relatives can accompany us into eternity. In Genesis 25 and verse eight, it says, Abraham was gathered to his people. He could see them there. And these people from the past were there to greet him. In first Kings chapter two and verse 10 says, David slept with his fathers. What does this mean for us? For the believer, death is a personal rapture. What do I mean by this? It's a bridge between here and heaven. At the rapture, think what's gonna happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14 through 17 says this, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so those also who sleep, that's us in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. We're going to be taken up at the same time. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who've gone on before, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord.'" Think about that. What's gonna happen at the rapture? Jesus will descend from heaven. The archangel will come. Those who have died before us will get their uh, bodies back, a resurrection body, and we will get a resurrection body and go to heaven too. What happens at every death of every Christian is a personal rapture. They've told me they can see Jesus in the room. Others have said they see angels in the room also. Others said they see past relatives in the room. And then they go on to be with the Lord. What is that? It's a personal rapture for what's gonna happen one day with the entire church happens to every individual. Why? Because the Lord's saying, I don't want you to be in a point in heaven where you said, boy, I wish I was on earth at the time of the rapture. I gave you a personal one. The Lord came, the angels came, those around you who had died before have now come back to get you, and you've all risen to meet me in heaven. Welcome to eternal grace. That's where we're going to next time. I'll see you
1: next time. You can order resources become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.